uh, we are live. I hope I didn't mess that up. I think I might have, but uh, we'll find out. There's only one way to find out. We're going to do it live. This is the PFF forecast. It is Wednesday, September 20th. It is about 4.08 p.m. Pacific time, and it's going to be a great show. We, we thought about spending a full 90 minutes on Kareem Hunt and Cam Akers and their impact on the league. Uh, we're not going to do that. We're going to talk SGP's live game betting plan, our locks of the week, of course, and we'll start off with some injuries. And then at the end, we're going to reveal the PFF guess the lines, set the lines, whatever you want to call it. The contest we're running, we're going to show the leaderboards both for week two, who won the most uh, money off of their uh, initial spreads, and who was the most accurate uh, for week three. So with that said, let's run. Welcome in, everybody. Um, I do have to ask just one quick question of you guys, which is, um, you know, I was very happy for myself when I snagged Kareem Hunt for a fraction of the price of Jerome Ford. I mean, it was actually comedic. Um, do you guys think he's actually going to play? I think it's like 75% Ford, 25% Hunt backfield personally. But, you know, obviously you don't want to blow 100% of your fab on one player. Uh, but no, I think it is Ford's backfield. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of nervous as well. Okay, um, this is the PFF Forecast. I'm George, joined by Brad and Judah. Uh, if you're new, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, we love you. We appreciate you. Welcome in. Um, let's start off where, as we usually do here, looking ahead to week three. And um, I felt like there were a lot of injuries Last week, um, it feels like there are a few uh, less this week, but um, that's probably just my ignorance. Brad, why don't you take us kind of around um, the league with the, the kind of big injuries and what we either know or are yet to learn about them? Yeah, so first we'll start tomorrow night's game between the Giants and the 49ers. On the Giants side, they're pretty banged up. Uh, left tackle Andrew Thomas, edge rusher Aziz Ojolari, running back Saquon Barkley, and guard Ben Bredesen are all supposed to be out for that game. For the Niners, I think the only big one there is maybe Brandon Ayuk, was kind of in and out of the game against the Rams on Sunday. Uh, he's listed as questionable, maybe does play. Uh, as for other big names across the league, particularly for you know betting and props, what we touch on here, um, Hendre Miller should be the RB1 in New Orleans. Jamal Williams not going to play. I know Tony Jones came in, had two touchdowns. I think he also averaged like three and a half yards of carry. Um, you know, and obviously they, they drafted Kendra Miller top 75 or whatever for a reason. So should get his debut. Um, guys that I think are going to play finally, Christian Watson, I think is going to play for Green Bay, make his season debut. Devontae Adams is fine for the Raiders. He will play. Uh, and then quick rundown. No practice today, but we don't know the status yet. OBJ. Uh, Bryce Young, Amari Cooper, Amon Ra St. Brown, not only didn't practice, it also sounds kind of bad. I didn't like the way Dan Campbell spoke about Amon Ra. Uh, Zay Jones didn't practice, Austin Eckler, and then also Jalen Waddell. Mike McDaniel was like, I don't have a timeline. I don't really care. He's in concussion protocol. He gets back when he gets back. I also didn't love the way he spoke about Jalen Waddell. It's not, uh, not great. I have a feeling that Brandon Ayuk is not going to play. It it feels to me like as a 10-point favorite and they're been pretty dominant. Like why would you why would you risk it? That's my 
kind of lean there, which I think is a bummer because um, it's, you know, it's a great opportunity for um, the entire Niners offense. So that's one, that's an interesting one for us to think about, particularly as we look at locks of the week and potential opportunities for people. Um, I'm going to tease something here, but you know, we, our super lock of the week was TJ lock in season. Um, And uh, we may have another tight end uh, in the off thing, just, uh, just throwing it out there. Um, Judah, you hear those. I know that we had a lot on the dolphins, obviously uh, on Sunday night. So maybe the Waddle one, but what, what are kind of the big ones that stuck out to you? Yeah, I was going to lead with Waddle, but honestly, like, I mean, it, it, River Craycraft and Braxton Berrios were running wide open uh, on Sunday night. I'm, if anything, I, I'm just like, okay, maybe this is the same game parlay opportunity where, like, the market's going to price in, like, oh, maybe this is a big downgrade from Jalen Waddle uh, to whether it's River Craycraft or uh, Braxton Berrios. And, like, if we get, like, some juicy alt lines there, uh, that, that might be a, a parlay worth building. Um, but I think that, that injury, uh, and I, I honestly, like, I think Andy Dalton would be a pretty big one. Uh, the market moved ever so slightly from like five and a half to six. I'd argue that the Panthers are much better with Andy Dalton, uh, than with Bryce Young. Uh, so I think there, there could be some value there if Bryce Young actually does not play. Uh, but it's, it's difficult on Wednesday. Like we don't really know the no practices, uh, how that's going to kind of play out by 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 friday i think we'll have a, a pretty good sense uh, but those are those are two i'm definitely looking out for the the uh dalton one is really interesting i expect it to move the other way um we'll talk about that game i think certainly here in a second but yeah that the way bryce young looked on monday night was a little concerning i would say people are you don't hear people aren't talking about it as much because of what's happening with brad's chicago bears and the disaster that is look, I, by the way, I, I, I talk about this guy a bunch. He does great content, JT O'Sullivan in the QB school. He had a 96 minute review of Justin Fields week two game, and it has 206,000 views. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, we are a week away, Brad, from bears fans descending on the PFF mock draft simulator for the second straight year. Um, in a way like we've never seen before. It's going to be great. <laughs> they didn't lovely because they also have Carolina's pick. So the Bears might be picking in the pot in the top five twice. Uh, you know, if 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 things continue with both these buildings, yeah, I'm only I think eight of the the two hundred and six thousand views myself. I was, <laughs> was going to say you have two hundred six thousand computers. I'm impressed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, I only watched it a couple times. Yeah, um, they also have some, no one fantasy relevant, but they have some injuries too. Left tackle Braxton Jones on IR, which is not great. Yeah, that is going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, a lot of the, I would assume, a lot of bets on, it's short of 13 still, I believe. Um, yeah, 12 and a half on DraftKings. Fancy yeah, Chiefs. By the way, I'll share one one nugget for you guys, which is really funny. So I'm looking at, you know, metrics uh, for PFF, uh, website and app and i see this spike on mock draft simulator usage and i'm like oh what 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 is that you know what what time of the day what day is that it's sunday at 2 p.m pacific time can you guys guess what was happening sunday at 2 p.m pacific time uh, pacific Just is arizona in the pacific time zone oh go ahead go ahead well yeah, that game the new york giants arizona cardinals game started and you would think Arizona Cardinals fans are the ones using it. No, 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 no. The New York Giants fans 
are down 21 donut to Arizona and they're on there taking Caleb Williams left, right, and center. It was a, it was a, a astronomical spike. It was like That's 600% versus, uh, versus the prior year. Um, okay. We are going to get into uh, live betting strategy and some same game parlays as we do every single week with Judah. Judah, you were painfully, I would say close again this week. Um, the one that kind of sticks out in my mind is that that Washington uh, Commanders uh, SGP. I had like multiple friends hit me up and be like, yo, <laughs> they sent me screenshots. They're like, we were so close, man. What happened? Um, but if I know you, uh, you are uh, unturred. That's that's for sure. I mean, thankfully, I was not actually watching. I had a 55 to one. I love when I can get a two leg really deep play but i had a, a 55 to 1 sam howell 300 yards in washington minus five and a half howell of course finished with 299 yards uh and then the broncos covered on that hell mary you know that like if that five and a half would have covered i would have been watching every single possible play trying to issue like every stat correction i also had some uh less bullish uh howell you know like 250s and, and washington minus two and a half too it was just it was a little gut wrenching, but as you say, just you know, we're gonna we're gonna power right through, uh, get back to our winning ways. And honestly, like if if our fifty five to ones are uh, you know coming up one yard short and a, and a hail mary away, it means we're probably doing something right. And and these are gonna fall uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's uh, man two ninety nine. I bet you could have found an extra yard there. The problem is you'd put, you'd spend all that time, and really all you'd find is like, oh, maybe it should have been two ninety eight. Yeah, exactly. There was there was one I was getting ready for this in the New Orleans Carolina game. I had some like car and uh, New Orleans spreads, and there was a, a ball that Derek Carr threw uh, to his running back that was charted as a as a rush. And I saw like I was getting like very very close to his like two twenty five prop, and I was like I'm ready to wage war. Like they charted this as a rush. It was definitely a forward pass, but thankfully he hit Chris Olave uh, at the end, and we didn't have to we didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't come close. Okay, so let's start with um, let's start with some SGPs. Uh, why don't we? And, um, and and talk about SGPs, some alt uh, lines. So your article comes out every single week. It is on pff.com. If you are a member of the printing press and the uh, the forecast podcast, you are going to get a sneak peek at what you're thinking of cooking up this week. But of course, you can access that piece of content on pff.com. You can also find it, it always gets shared in the PFF uh, forecast discord, um, which you should certainly join if you are not there already. Um, and uh, Judah, why don't you, why don't you get us started? Where, what do you think an SGP wise this week? Yeah, we'll start with uh, maybe the one I'll, I'll write up. Uh, we're going to build this in a same game parlay variation. And we'll also just kind of use it as an alt line. And that's going to be some bullish evil spreads. And we're going to get creative here, depending on the props. Uh, I think it's going to include some rushing unders from Tampa Bay. And if we can uh, get some sack props in there, we will absolutely be doing that. The thesis here is that Baker Mayfield actually is a kind of okay quarterback throwing from a clean pocket. This isn't, this shouldn't be news. I mean, he struggled a bit last year, but it was actually pretty good from 2018 through 2020. And again, in 2023 uh, has been very good so far from a clean pocket. He's thrown from clean pockets at the fourth highest rate. This is what happens when you play the Vikings. Uh, and the Bears, not exactly great pass rushes. Throw in the mismatch on the interior of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles defensive line and the Tampa Bay offensive line, and that is just screaming for a disaster of, of interior pressure. I mean, 
you've got you've got Jalen Carter, absolute beast, uh, going up just against a, a putrid uh, interior for for Tampa Bay. If you just look at like the PFF grades, uh, we've got a fifty nine, a fifty two, and a forty nine uh, on the interior. That is going to manifest its way in I think two two main directions, and the first is uh, that I don't see any way that the uh, Bucks can get any run game going, which I think is going to set up a bunch of kind of third and eights and third and nines early. I mean, the Bucks run game doesn't need a, a stout uh, Philly defensive front, which I do think uh, will be will be a theme this year that Philly has a, a great run defense. But I expect a lot of obvious passing situations, and I just I expect Jalen Carter to have like ten pressures in this game. And uh, we've talked about we talked about this all the time in the offseason. Baker Mayfield has a crazy high pressure to sack ratio. I expect the Bucks to. Uh, kind of be more like that offseason team we were projecting earlier of just a ton of sacks. And I think when you kind of play out that game script, uh, you can go a bunch of different directions. The Eagles are a team you want to be back and playing from ahead. Uh, I don't exactly see this defense as one that can stop the Philly run. Not that anyone really can. I mean, I saw some crazy stat. Like, they haven't had a, a carry for a loss uh, this year. Uh, Philadelphia just absolutely mauls their, their opponents. Uh, in the trenches, I expect that to continue, and we'll be bu- building a bunch of kind of creative using some sack props, especially on the interior, and then also just combining and, and playing a game script of uh, the Eagles leading uh, by a lot, and then how that kind of works with with rushing attempt unders uh, if Tampa Bay is playing from behind, uh, etc. I just like on one foot, just like these teams are not in the same tier, right? Like uh, Philadelphia, like we're having conversations about like whether they should be tier one or tier two. The Bucks are not even close to that, and we're we're talking about a line that's approaching three and a half here. I think it's a, it's a really really bad mispricing, and it's a horrible matchup uh, for the Bucks. And we're going to look to capitalize that in, in a number of different ways. I could not agree more with every single thing you just said, particularly just the game spread itself. But also, just real quick, this sounds dumb, and I'm not trying to be anti Baker or whatever. But he almost had in the equivalent of turnover worthy plays the amount of sacks he barely escaped against the Bears. And look, to his credit, he evaded them, he got out of them. But like, he could have been sacked five times. He just, you know, he made made some nice plays, scampered out of it. It was like, to me, it was okay. His internal clock is still slow. He might get sacked a lot of times because he's building confidence off of this performance. And the Eagles defensive line is obviously playing a different sport uh, than the Bears defensive line is currently. Yeah, he's been, you know, this year. So if we look at this year, um, he's been pretty good under pressure, um, you know, relatively, right? A 69 passing grade, uh, 70 passing grade is is not terrible. Um, But I think what we've seen is that he's faced two teams thus far who, weren't really putting him under pressure, right? Like he was under pressure, but it wasn't anywhere near the extent that you would, um, you know, that you would kind of be, uh, be expecting. And, and I think indicative of that, and you can get this on, on PFF.com on premium stats. So look at this time to throw. His time to throw and under pressure this year has been almost four seconds. Okay, so that pressure is not happening until super late in the shot clock. His pressure to sack ratio only 3.7% so far this year. He has 123 passer rating under pressure this year this is not baker mayfield okay this is baker mayfield okay where his pressure uh grade is 30 right um and his pressure to sack uh ratio is 34.7 so like i i think your point about what we've seen out of baker mayfield and this team um it, it just isn't really indicative and they have faced um such an easy schedule as far particularly on the defense side of the ball so I absolutely love it. I'm curious about the sacks. So 
Obviously, Jalen Carter is, is the big one. Is there a player that we think might have longer odds? I know that the Eagles generally kind of rotate their guys in. Is there anyone that, that you think is going to, you know, if I'm looking to play something that's super long um, that you would mix in? I'm, I'm going to expect that we'll get some um, Jordan Davis props at like plus 190, which is already long. And like, I honestly, like Jordan Davis also uh, is an appealing one to me. And like, even Josh, but I can see this as like a real seven, eight sack game, especially if you build out the game script of like Eagles go out from ahead early and just like the Bucks have to completely abandon the run. And then the Eagles are just teeing off on this Bucks offensive line. Like if you build out that game script, that's when I think you can get really bullish with the sacks. But I mean, Josh Sweat's been a terrific edge player now uh, for, for a couple of years. And just like the interior of this Bucks line against Jalen Carter uh, and, and Jordan Davis is, is a huge mismatch, and I think we're going to get some pretty great odds on that. I, I would just jump in uh, while you get ready to make fun of me and my girlfriend. I don't even know what that means at the end there. I, I read that. But uh, uh, I also love – so the the interior for sure. I also think Luke Gadecki against – I think he'll see more Hassan Reddick because Josh Sweat dominated the Vikings' left tackle on Thursday. If he gets Tristan Wirfs, I think you bet the other edge rushers, maybe Reddick or or whoever. All right, go ahead, go ahead George. What, what, do you, what do you got? No, just keep going. I, I'm going to let it flow. No, that was all I had. That was all I had. Just maybe, yeah, edge rushers that aren't going against Tristan Wirfs uh, and obviously the interior guys I agree with. I'm going to I'm gonna weave in my making fun of you um, during the ad reads, see if people can catch it. So so this week's uh, ad read is going to be specifically geared at, at making fun of my, my co-host. Um, okay, we talked about um, Eagles and, and Bucks there. like that one a lot. Uh, any other SGP angles that you're thinking about, Judah, that you want yeah. to use? Uh, I'm going to go back to the well. Sam Howell, my guy, he, he heard us uh, at Hurt Me last week, but this is a spot uh, I'm going to back them again. I think this is actually the broader theme of what we just talked about uh, and a lot of kind of the research we've done this past offseason and talked about on this podcast, which is like trying to find the circumstances which play into certain quarterback traits and like which matchups are going to kind of elevate certain traits over others. Uh, and I think Sam Howell, what we've learned of him uh, is that he can obviously throw the ball extremely well. And the Achilles heel uh, is that he's going to take too many sacks and kind of create sacks for himself. A matchup against Buffalo, I think, mitigates that. And we've now seen this. Uh, it started in the second half of last season when Von Miller went down. This is a team that cannot generate quick pressure. Uh, they're the, they've generated quick pressure at the third uh, lowest rate in the NFL. And I think that means that in a game against the, like, middling pass rush we should reasonably expect Howell to kind of take like four to six of these like clean pockets uh or maybe it's a little high maybe it's like five to eight of these clean pockets and kind of turn them into negative plays just by his own will I think that base rate gets a lot lower in games against teams that can't really generate a quick pass rush uh, and that means more time and more plays for him to kind of throw downfield all of this comes with the expectation of his passing drop right now is 220 that's extremely low uh, it's one of the lowest in the slate. The Bills defense is still living off a reputation that I think was developed over the first half of 2022 when they did have a dominant pass rush and when things were clicking uh, and they had a pass rate, a, a very high pass rate over expected Washington does. They are more than happy to let Sam Howell rip it. And he wants to throw downfield. That's what he wants to do. Uh, we've seen this back to his college days, his, his early, I think the week one game against Arizona was game plan specific, uh, but he certainly has a tendency to, want to throw downfield and I am looking for in this same game parlay setup as few things to go right as possible and to get kind of the best odds for that. 
And when the prices are so low and we really don't know that much about Sam Howell, but his tendencies like definitely point to having a fat right tail. And it's like, if I just need my guy to get like 300 yards uh, and Washington to cover or just like Washington to win, even you can get like, yes, it's a long shot, but like you can also hedge out of that. But if you can get like 50 to one and like a reasonable case for Sam Howell, and like for all we know by like week 13, uh, we're going to be talking about Sam Howell as having one of the highest passing props in the league. We wouldn't have expected that from Tua Tungavailoa last year, but that's exactly what happened. It's the same sort of thing, like trying to build in some sort of projection, realizing that like it might not happen, but like if I am right, I'm going to really, really capitalize on that thing. And I think the matchup really sets up well for Howell and the market's pricing in uncertainty, uh, and we can kind of use the tails as a way to capitalize on that. So are, are you real quick again? Uh, sorry, George, but love that one as well. Leonard Floyd might not play in this game. Safety Micah Hyde not, might not play in this game. And their defense is already, like you said, not that great to begin with. So it, it all aligns there. And then obviously the Bills are going to score. So they're going to keep throwing, you'd imagine, throughout much of the game. So anyway, I, I like that one a lot too. I was just going to say I hate this one. Um, I also don't like your hat. And, uh, you know, seventh grade called and wants its facial hair do back. Do you like my shirt? <laughs> Ooh, ooh. That's tough. You like that? You like that? Can I get can the peanut gallery please let me know how they feel? Uh, yeah, Posmo. Uh, my room is super dark. I have, I have no statement there. There's no light bulb in the, in the I don't understand why. So I have three lights shining directly in my face. I can barely see just for you, Posmo. It's all for you. Uh, all right. Uh before we move on to live uh betting game plan, um want to uh tell you guys about AG1 Athletic Greens, as it is known uh, or previously was known. Um, and what AG1 will do for you is get your diet in the right place. It'll make sure you've got the supplements and nutrients that you need on a daily basis so you don't have to worry about going to the grocery store and finding all of that crap in the grocery aisles and then making sure you're cooking all of these nutritious meals. Uh, you don't have to be Tony P in DC. You can just go get AG1 and uh, be in great shape. Um, do you guys know who Tony P in DC is, by the way? Have you found no, that was Okay. Um, let me put you guys on something. Um, if you're out there and you've not discovered Tony P in DC uh, on Instagram, you're welcome. Uh, but this is still an AG1 uh, read. And I highly recommend it. I use it, especially when I'm traveling. People don't like to talk about this, but like knowing when you're going to have to take a shit is super important. Poop, whatever you want to call it. And uh, hey, it helps you out. Helps you stay regular. You don't have to worry about like, did I eat enough fibrous foods while I'm on vacation uh, or while I'm traveling? Um, just have a nice travel pack of AG1 ready to go and you'll be rocking and rolling. Makes you feel a heck of a lot better. Your energy sustains throughout the day as well. Um, so I can't recommend it enough. You do have to make sure that you can drink it. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. Okay. This doesn't taste like, like chocolate. Okay. But if you're going to drink it because it tastes good, uh, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Anyways, it doesn't taste that bad. You can, you can suffocate it. It's drinkag1.com slash PFF. And if you go to that link and then purchase it through that link, you will get a year's supply of vitamin uh, A plus five free travel packs. It's a great deal. The travel packs are absolutely money. So go to drinkag1.com slash PFF. All right. Live, um, live betting. I, I will not lie. I spent this past week um, really thinking about live betting in terms of what kinds of uh, information do live bettors, could we give to live bettors to you know help inform them during games so i was watching these games and judah it's, it's amazing how much you talk about just player usage and kind of you know how things are going in a particular game 
what I discovered is how hard it is to track that across multiple games, like especially in that early slate. Like I was thinking about you trying to do this and, and trading games live, and I was like, oh my god, I cannot do this. I'm, I'm having trouble uh, kind of focusing on one. Um, so uh, please put us on some game here in terms of where we can look, where we can focus and be prepared instead of just kind of watching and hoping. Yeah, the main one I'm going to be watching is uh, Minnesota and Los Angeles. Uh, I think a lot of the NFL right now is just like marred and like uncertainty. That's always true of like week three, we don't really know who's good. We're like balancing offseason priors with like regular season performance. Like who knows how good the Rams are? Who knows how good the Bengals are? Like you can say this about a lot of teams. I think the teams we know most about are probably the Chargers and Vikings, right? These are teams who are going to have really, really good offenses and really bad defenses. Uh, and like we're on year three of Staley's defenses being an absolute train wreck. We're on like year, you know, obviously Justin Herbert's going to have a good offense. And like we're on year five of, of the Vikings having the same exact offense year over year. Uh, they got a little bit unlucky with, with turnovers in the first couple of weeks. So how am I going to capitalize on that? It's it's twofold. Number one, we always talk about this, but it is worth mentioning. Games with uh, especially bad defenses and good offenses, we're going to start to see lots of just in-game volatility. The market's going to react one way, but when a total has, you know, it's a 54 and a half point total and one team goes up seven, nothing, we can reasonably expect at some point in the game, that's probably going to, you know, be a tie game. The other point is, and, I mean, I, I post this chart. I haven't yet this year, but every year it's like a how well a team plays when they're leading comfortably. And every single year of the Kirk Cousins era, the Vikings are just in the bottom left quadrant of just a disastrous offense when they are leading. Uh, and I mean, how many times are we going to talk about the Chargers blowing, uh, you know, multiple score leads and making games close? They are very much in the same bracket of teams in the bottom left. And conversely, when we talk about teams who are really good at issuing comebacks, we've got the Vikings and Chargers. So add in just like your regular amount of, of this volatility of teams with really good offenses where we can score. That's always going to be kind of a systemic strategy of just like taking the other side. And I'm really going to be leaning in if we have a situation of like, you know, 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, seven point lead, 10 point lead, whatever it is, really going heavy on the underdog on the assumption that like this game is going to be a one score game. Uh, these teams both can't hold leads and they're both really good coming from behind. Uh, I don't see this as one to attack before the game like who knows how it's going to go like if it's going to come down to the last drive like let's kind of situate ourselves uh, around that narrative do you think so for this i guess i'm trying to think of the different um are you betting essentially whoever is losing is that the is that that simple um I, yeah. I guess like i feel bad about minnesota in the lead as do you um, and there's obviously no reason to feel good about the Chargers in the lead. So is it like a first score, just bet the loser? Or are you doing that kind of throughout the game and trying to get a, a large kind of middle position? Yeah, I'm going to try and like build a large middle position. I'm more willing to wait in these sorts of games. Like I'm not just like, okay, team scores a drive, uh, team scores touchdown on the opening drive, like let's immediately bet the other side type of thing. Like I'll let a couple of drives pass through because like, we know what these teams are and like maybe there's a funky game script or something that happens early. And I'd rather start by like possessions, like six through 15, just like starting to really develop a, a middle position. Uh, that's sort of the, the game plan. And then like really leaning in heavily towards the end, especially if I've already built up a certain position uh, and I have some, some room for, for risk. Uh, that's kind of how I approach this sort of game. Uh, it's there's usually like a couple of these every week. 
but I think this one really, really situates well for, for kind of the strategy of like taking both sides and then leaning in towards the end of the game. Yeah, by the way, that alt over 66 and a half plus 355 is kind of interesting. Um, what did we get this at? 51 on uh, Sunday night. If you don't listen to the Sunday night podcast, you definitely should. comes on live right after Sunday night football. And uh, this week was closing line value week uh, because we got um, the, uh, the Rams at plus six and a half. Uh, and we got this uh, total at 51. Now it won't end up mattering because some shit will happen as it usually does, but uh, I would give it a good, uh, a valiant effort there. Um, any other live angles for us or is it time for locks of the week? Yeah. One more. Uh, going back to our friend last year, the, you know, fading the Titans on the scripted plays first, not uh, ran, ran a little bit of that code. And we found that the Broncos and Dolphins have gotten off to, to roaring starts. And I'm much more willing to buy that as signal, particularly because of who their offensive coaches are and who's calling the plays we know sean payton's a great offensive mind obviously mike mcdaniel has taken the league by storm i expect this sort not to the same extent the broncos are like six points per drive uh on on the scripted plays the dolphins about four and a half both of those are the broncos are number one dolphins are number two i don't expect that to sustain itself but i do expect it to be directionally correct uh and i imagine we're going to get a pretty high total uh to, to start if we get you know opening drives uh opening drive touchdowns especially because it's like, okay, like Dolphins can score at will. I'm going to be looking into some uh, live unders, probably some live team total unders for the Broncos. I also think that the Vic Fangio defenses are going to start to get better as the season goes along. Uh, that's an angle I want to be playing. Uh, but yeah, I think that's kind of the, the broad thesis. It's just like, we're going to see some market moves uh, from those scripted drives. And I don't think those are necessarily going to be as revealing as the later ones. Uh, so things like unders, and then depending on how the spread moves, if we can get Dolphins at like, two and a half or three and a half, especially with how explosive their offense is like, that's a spot I'm going to want to be leaning into. Yeah. Um, any live angles, anything uh, on your end, Brad, that uh, Judah didn't mention? I, I, I swear he touched on everything that I had circled as like, you know, these, these intrigue me. I, the, the guy just, he doesn't miss. You're too nice. You're too nice. That's the, uh, yeah. that's the yeah. real problem. It's true. Um, it's true. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to get rid of that. Um, we're going to get to locks of the week. Before we do, DraftKings, you know it very, very well. DraftKings Sportsbook is making sure that you can keep up on the NFL action with a couple of great, great offers. New customers by $5. Get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups and walk away with an instant winner. We just gave you a few that we really liked. Um, and so you can go capitalize putting five bucks down and then get those bonus bets instantly. You don't actually have to wait. You get those bonus bets immediately, which is awesome. Um, all customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Uh, football is just more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now, sign up with promo code PFF, new customers bet $5 and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only for the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code PFF. Here we go. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net or email at Brad Spielberger. Uh, Dot, uh, sorry, Brad Spielberg at pff.com. Uh, he's there to help you out in New York. Call 8778 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369 in Connecticut. It's probably where Brad's going to have to move. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Brad's next employer, Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 
licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake, Charles, Louisiana. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but that's actually where Brad did his residency. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Boyd in Ontario. Uh, don't go there, Brad. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Was that mean enough, Brad? Do you think I should go? It was more, more to the cities, I think, than me, but I, I'm sure they'll, they'll take that. Also, Lake Charles, Louisiana, a, a hidden gem. I'm being nice again, but it's a fact. I'm sure it is um, <laughs> relative to. Yeah, yeah, uh, correct. Relative to Kansas. Kansas. Yeah, exactly. Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Uh, okay. Yeah. Time for blocks of the week. So here's what we do. We go around the horn. We uh, give our favorite bets. We put the ones that we align on as our locks of the week. It's a little tongue in cheek. Um, we had a super lock of the week as we've been doing each week this year. The first uh, week it was uh, Josh Dobbs under 210 passing yards. Uh, that was a, a, a not a sweat. Next week, uh, last week it was um, TJ Hawkinson. That was a bit of a sweat. Shouldn't have been, but it did cash for us. Um, so overall, it was a positive week. We got a little unlucky, I would say. We had Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, both over two and a half passing touchdowns, both at plus odds, and um, both ended up with two passing touchdowns, which was uh, a little unfortunate. So um, we're looking to get back on the shine here. Oh, I didn't even mention we had Green Bay. I don't want to talk about Green Bay. Green Bay is dead to me. Um, no longer be talked about on this podcast uh, because of what they allowed the Atlanta Falcons. You lose, you let Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter has been awful as a quarterback, and they let him come back. Anyways, I, I, uh, I'll stop ranting. Um, and uh, so it is time for Lex of the Week. Let's start with you, uh, Judah. What is your first submission? Yeah, that was a perfect segue. I love the New Orleans Saints money line this week. Fade in the Packers. Uh, this is a, a two-sided play, I think, here, as, as ugly as it feels back in Derek Carr. The first is the, the Packers' success, I think, has been off the backs of lots of explosive plays and the situation that Matt LaFleur is putting his players in. If you look at things like coverage rate, I think they're like forcing coverage mistakes on 80% of plays, which is incredible, also not sustainable, uh, and, and does point to uh, Matt LaFleur being a, a bit of an offensive whiz. But I think the matchup's going to be just a little bit tougher uh, against New Orleans. Uh, I mean, even looking at their uh, secondary right now, and, you know, uh, they, they certainly have uh, some talent on, on the on the edge uh, players. But uh, even if they do get Christian Watson to come back, even if they do have Aaron Jones coming back, it doesn't really uh, affect the main thesis of, like, the, the deep balls and, and explosive plays they've been relying on are bound to regress. Uh, that's kind of why I'm looking to, to fade the, the Packers, uh, because they're certainly being propped up by that. On the New Orleans side, right, without Jamal Williams, uh, I'm not exactly sure that the Saints are going to be comfortable giving Kendra Miller all the work. They're clearly not comfortable giving Jones uh, much work at all. And I expect them to tilt to the pass in this spot. And with these weapons, I mean, Derek Carr is a, is a guy who's going to be elevated by his surroundings. We've talked about that a bunch on this podcast, right, getting back to our quarterback scrambling stuff, that he's the archetype of player who is situation dependent. He doesn't need to do a lot, uh, especially if they get Rashid Shahid on the field, uh, which he has seen some increase in snap chair. I mean, the dude is an absolute baller. If you look at, I, I just posted, you know, the separation and, and uh, his ability at the catch and after the catch. He's going to be top five in every category, deep, whatever it is. Chris Olave is a burgeoning star. Michael Thomas has come in. It's like 2018 again for him. It's really unbelievable what he's done coming off 
uh, like what was it, two two full years of injuries, three? I can't even remember at this point. It all blends into one. Uh, but we have a, a huge mismatch, I think, assuming that New Orleans goes to the air, and I think there's a, a really good chance they do, considering the injuries they have and Kamara still suspended. Uh, I just see the Saints as a better team. Uh, fundamentally, the Packers, I think, are going to regress, and this is a spot where, especially because New Orleans is going to go to the air, uh, they can just lean on their weapons, and that's exactly what Carr is, is built to do. like it. I am a little hesitant on the Saints. I don't know um, how that last second push makes you guys feel, but there's something about that team that their their efficiency numbers look good. You can see why it makes sense. And then like something just doesn't click when it needs to click. And I feel like that's a trait of Derek Carr's. I don't know if you can look at that in your quarterback traits article, Judah. Um, but like never quite living up to uh, the efficiency numbers is a trait that Derek Carr certainly has. Um, but I, I do think overall there's a lot of kind of value to be had. I, it's interesting. The spread is probably something that I am like least interested in taking, but perhaps a teaser um, could be interesting. Anyways, uh, Brad, I'll go to you next. Yeah, my thoughts just quick on Carr. The offensive line needs to get better. Uh, they've been pretty bad. But anyway, uh, I'm starting things off getting a little proppy with your guy, BCB, Brock Purdy, tomorrow night. Um, over eight and a half rushing yards. Uh, I really like this one. We've talked a lot about the interior matchups for a couple teams. And the biggest mismatch in the, this entire game, well, besides the Niners against the, the Giants in most units, but um, is Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams against the interior of the Niners offensive line. In particular, and I hate bringing up his name again, but Spencer Burford had a zero pass block grade last week. They're right guard. They've had some issues on the interior. Yeah. At the same time, though, the Giants' edge rushers have done nothing. Um, and, I, and I mentioned Aziz Ojolari is not going to play. I think Purdy's going to have to take off a couple of times where there's very quick interior pressure. We also maybe don't get Ayuk, who is his best early in the shot clock separator. Obviously, Debo's good behind the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. But if you want to throw a quick slant, I think that's, that, that's Brandon Ayuk. So, yeah, good matchup in the trenches for the D-line of the Giants on the interior, making Brock run away. I think Trent Williams would still clear a whole big running lane for him, um, and he scrambles his way to over eight and a half. Oh, one last thing. Wink Martindale blitzes more than, you know, any defensive coordinator in the NFL. So they're going to bring pressure, uh, and I think, you know, Brock will, will scramble a couple times. I do. Uh, nothing uh, makes me more excited than betting on Brock Purdy. I, I found something really interesting about Brock Purdy is Brock Purdy, I was looking at uh, Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields' futility. Brock Purdy is the only guy in the NFL who's in the bottom 10 in big-time throws but doesn't have a PFF grade below, like, 70. So, like, everyone that's bottom, you know, 10 in big-time throws just stinks. And then there's Brock Purdy, shining beacon of Kyle Shanahan's light uh, that, you know, somehow bucks that trend. Um, okay, my first one uh, is a teaser. Um, so I, I kind of went back and forth on uh, which I, I liked most. Um, there are a couple of options, so I'm going to throw these out. I do think Saints, the, the total on this game is 42 and a half. So Saints out to eight, I really think makes a ton of sense. Um, the other kind of options for us here, you know, the, the Jets uh, from two and a half to eight and a half. I could not, I love teasers. I like most teaser legs. I could not hate a teaser like more than the New York Jets teaser leg. Like that, that bucks every single part of the Wong hypothesis where, you know, 
they are about as likely to lose by 14 as they are by seven. Um, so I don't particularly like that one. One that is interesting to me is, and I wanted to ask you, Brad, about this, is the Joe Burrow thing. So like Joe Burrow, I thought actually played better in the second half than he did in the first half. It was kind of hard to play worse. But, you know, is he really going to sit? Like, is there really a chance that he sits? I don't know. So they didn't practice, I guess, today because that is uh, – or they didn't give out a report today for whatever reason um, for that game. Uh, and I'm sorry. Sorry. That is the Monday night game. That's what I was looking at. So that's one of the Monday night games. So they're actually, you know, a day behind on the schedule. And it sounds like he's walking around with no boot uh, in the locker room, like things like that. I don't know. He's not going to be fully healthy uh, and Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald, but, but I think he's going to play if I had to guess. Okay. So I think that's a compelling one. I, I also like the Raiders out to eight and a half um, uh, as well. Uh, and th- so those are the ones that I will kind of throw out there. I may or may not like this one the most. And that is uh, the, the teaser leg of the Ravens down from seven and a half down to one and a half. They're playing the Colts. I think the Colts are a much better team than people expected, but still, I think overrated, if that makes sense. And I use that word very, very uh, lightly here in that I, I just don't think we've seen them face a ton of challenge, right? They had a game against the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They probably could have kept that one a little bit closer. I don't think the Jaguars have quite hit their stride yet. And then they got to play a Houston team that clearly just doesn't kind of have it. And then there's also the component of, is it going to be Gardner Minshew? Um, is it going to be uh, Anthony Richardson? Anthony Richardson has played well enough where – I'm definitely a bigger fan of them getting to play Gardner Minshew, especially with that kind of a defense. I think their defense sets up a lot better to kind of hold Gardner Minshew in check than it would for kind of the unknowns of Anthony Richardson. So um, I, I think the Saints out to eight uh, and the Ravens down to one and a half will be my first block of the week proposal. Judah, you're up next. Yeah, I like uh, Vegas uh, minus two and a half here. I think that uh, we're still seeing the market kind of uh, hesitating to price the, the Raiders offense as kind of a above average unit. I've now, I think this is my third straight week pitching them uh, as such. Uh, but really where I, where I think the value here comes is I don't think that the Steelers are as bad as their numbers would suggest. I think that's a function of playing the Browns and Niners who I would not, uh, that would be totally unsurprising if those are both top five defenses by the time uh, this season closes. Uh, I think that's kind of propelling their numbers, but the Steelers also have some huge, huge red flags. And I think like everyone's loving to like dump on Matt Canada, but like some kind of data to back that up uh, looking at tight window throws. And I, I highlighted this, I, I believe when we were talking about interception props that we like actually had a really interesting sample last year where Kenny, both Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky both had extremely high rates of throwing into tight windows. Also for, for uh, kind of a, a baseline of information, your chances of an interception are six times higher on throws into tight windows versus all other throws. And when you throw into tight windows, your uh, expected points added would be equivalent to the worst team in the NFL. Not a good idea to throw into tight windows. Sometimes you have to, uh, but the Steelers are doing it at an extremely high rate. Uh, and it's, it's about 25%. We've seen this. Now, a couple of years running, it's not a function of uh, Kenny Pickett, I don't think. And if you just look at their wide receivers, I mean, they have no one who can separate, especially now that Deontay Johnson's out. Uh, George Pickens and Allen Robinson are both well, well, well below average. Uh, and I don't think you're going to kind of take advantage of the Raiders' defense, which is really, really atrocious, 
but I don't think the Steelers are the team who's going to be able to take advantage of that precisely because they run themselves out of basically a quarter of the plays uh, from, from things like scheme. And, and I just don't see kind of like if we're projecting how good the Steelers offense is, I don't think it's as bad as they've been, but it's also they're not going to be as kind of uh, matchup uh, dependent. And the other thing is like the Raiders offensive line has been terrific. I mean, like they're really, really popping. And certainly in PFS numbers, like their perfect block percentage, essentially how many plays they have where the offensive lineman doesn't mess up. Of course, if you have four players on the offensive line doing their job, but one messes up, it doesn't really matter how good the other four players are because that one guy who messed up is going to be allowing pressure. Uh, that's like the, the strength of the Steelers defense. If you can kind of uh, limit their pass rush, they don't, I'm not exactly worried about Devontae Adams and Jacoby Meyer separating against Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson. Uh, I think they'll have their way. All but just to say, to kind of summarize the main points here, uh, the matchup really, really sets up well for uh, the Raiders. And I don't think they're kind of being given their credit as a uh, above average kind of like 12 to 16 type offense. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I am uh, I am pro Raiders. I was pro Raiders last week. It got up to a good start. It did not finish. I think my take on the Raiders is if the team they're playing is a low scoring team, like I really like, you know, generally the way that they can compete. If it's a high scoring team, that just, there's just, that's not how they're built um, from an offensive perspective, or at least yet until Jimmy G gets his, uh, you know, one together. Um, Brad, you're up next. Yeah. So I'll go back to the well. I know we got burned last week on the touchdown props. And yeah, I'm going double prop before I even get to a game. <clears throat> you guys are covering the games well enough. So um, our guy, Sam Howell, uh, over one and a half touchdowns is plus 175 uh, is where I saw it at, at, I think, DraftKings. I forget where I was looking when I saw this, but um, nevertheless, we talked about a lot of this already. I think he's going to have a good amount of time in the pocket. I like the matchups of his receivers against a kind of shaky Bills secondary with corners that haven't played well and with two safeties that are in their mid-30s and one of which in Micah Hyde I don't think is going to play in this game. Um, and then, of course, and the Bills are going to be able to score. So Howell is going to be pushing the ball downfield, trying to throw touchdowns. I, I love that one, frankly. That's like my favorite one thus far. And it, it goes back to Judah's point uh, that he made during the same game parlay uh, conversation. Okay, I've got a uh, I've got a player prop uh, for the next one. I think this may be my, my favorite one. Um, I went to a tight end on Thursday night last week. I'm going to a tight end on Thursday night this week. No Brandon Ayuk. If he's playing, I think he's a little banged up. I don't think he sees his normal target share. You mentioned the interior pressure. Um, I'm not worried about the edge defenders, so I don't think George Kittle is going to be staying in the block. Um, likes to blitz a lot. Uh, I think that opens some things up for Kittle. It's a Thursday night game. It's their home opener. George Kittle is the face of that offense. Um, as much as you want to say about Debo Samuel, people love George Kittle. I think this is a George Kittle game. The New York Giants were the team last year that we bet against with TJ Hawkinson in that playoff lock of the week. Same thing with Dallas Goddard. They this year ranked 24th in PFF grade covering tight ends. Um, so, I love it. Um, I'm going with over 50 yards. That's plus 110 on uh, on George Kittle. Over 60 is plus 174. If you guys want to talk me into that, I will listen. Um, plus uh, 60 yards was uh, what we did with TJ Hawkinson last week. Uh, but I love George Kittle tomorrow. I think, yes, they obviously are going to win this game um, and, and should do so handily. Um, but I think George Kittle is the, is the number one target. Uh, for Brock Purdy in, in this game. 
some things never change, and that's the Giants getting absolutely shredded by tight ends. I mean, like, I feel like this has been true for 15 years. Like, Jason Witten, 17 receptions uh, against the Giants. Like, <laughs> probably happened, like, twice. Uh, so I, I definitely like uh, like that one. Uh, the last one I've got, uh, we've talked about this one uh, in, in our same game parlay context. It's just going to be the Eagles minus four and a half. I think these are in teams are in fundamentally different tiers. Uh, yes, I know that uh, they are on the road. I want to be fading that. I don't think it, this should be anything short of seven. I mean, like the Eagles have their question marks, absolutely. But they also have such a high base of success because they can really lean on their run game. Their offensive line is so good. The threat of a Hurts run and the gravity he pulls uh, really uh, elevates this team. And the team loads the box and like, great, try and cover Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown one-on-one. Good luck with that. Uh, I just see the base rate of success so much higher for the Eagles, uh, really fading kind of the Bucks uh, winning two games in which this opponent could not be any more different on defense. These teams should just not be within seven points in my view. I was actually thinking yep. about that when you were uh, – sorry, real quick, Brad. When you were when you were talking about this game originally, what's a – I don't think we have these up yet. I'm looking. No. What are your thoughts on, like, what a um, an interception prop will be like for Baker? Like, what do you think – what odds are we going to get there? Uh, I would say it's going to be uh, decently juiced to the uh, over. I would say we'll get, like – minus 120 but i could be very wrong on that okay um i do think that's we don't have any odds on there so we can't we can't pick it yet but definitely one for us to think about okay uh eagles minus four and a half brad any more yeah there's one last one um and and i guess i'm not taking any spreads today but i did have raiders and eagles so uh last one isn't over we talked about it on sunday um it's the falcons lions over yeah maybe you were going to go there as well I do want to maybe keep an eye on Amon Ross St. Brown. It does matter because that's kind of part of the play here. Uh, the Falcons have de-offered an undrafted guy from last year as their starter in the slot. I think he got hurt uh, in the game against Green Bay because I am lo- I was looking at his data. Only played 25 snaps and, and didn't play the whole game. But also maybe they're just rotating guys. They haven't watched that film yet. But anyway, so that's a huge part of the mismatch where A.J. Terrell – you know, erasing Marvin Jones doesn't really matter, uh, you know, or, or, or AJ Terrell, I guess Josh Reynolds did ball out yesterday or last weekend. But anyway, so that's a big part of it. The Lions also got absolutely carved on the ground uh, against Kenneth Walker. He was forcing missed tackles like crazy, uh, bowling over guys, um, you know, tons of yards after contact. It was, I think Dan Campbell kind of called out the linebacker core. It was kind of veiled, but I basically think he said, like, they stunk. Um, and so I think Bijan Robinson is going to go uh, go nuclear as well, break off maybe, you know, a huge, huge gainer. Yes, pace of play is not great for Atlanta. Yes, they can't really throw, but the Lions defense is not particularly good. You have two offensive lines that I think are mismatches against the two defensive lines they're playing. Um, Craig McCorkle, uh, I can tell you how the Lions are really, really bad. Yeah, it moved, it moved a point and a half against me. Um, but anyway, uh, I stand by it. Atlanta Falcons until further notice might stick. <laughs> I I'm, I'm with you on that. I love that over. Um, it's funny. The reason I smiled is because I have an over, but I actually knew you were going to say that one. And I didn't want to be like, Hey Brad, I had the exact same, uh, idea as you. Um, you know, I wanted to actually have some originality to me, Brad, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, unlike yourself who you copied my facial hair, um, you know, it's, it's getting uh, a little ridiculous. 
Uh, ooh, I'm really trying to lead into the heel. I, 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 you think I'm doing? You think I'm? I I feel like I'm too far. I'm, too, I'm, far. I'm, too far. Too far. I got personal. There we go. There we go. Um, people will remember how much fun I made of Eric when he owed me like 15 steak dinners uh, at one point. <laughs> uh, and after one podcast, if we had to have a conversation about that, um, so totally understand. Okay, I have two more actually. Um, the first is, uh, I'll get my over out of the way, um, which is uh, actually going back, we've hammered this game. So the Bills commanders total is at 43 and a half. It's gone down. Now, there is a, a chance of rain here. Okay, so I think that's why it's going down. And this is kind of me fading the, the weather forecast a little bit, which is like, Okay, we've you know we know that there's a little bit of, of you know being erratic with weather forecasts. Um, if it is like super rainy, does that really mean that these teams are like gonna you know they have Josh Allen, Sam Howell? Like, what else are you gonna do with those quarterbacks um, besides you know try and score some points? So I think this one is interesting. I wanted to get your guys' read on it. Obviously, um, Judy, you're probably closer to that area of the country, and so maybe you have a keen uh, keener sense of what sort of weather system is moving towards us, but it's 43 and a half. Um, the, the Washington commanders are a big underdog. If they are losing in this game, like what chance do they have besides throwing the football? That is where their advantage is. Um, and the bills obviously put up a ton of points last week. And I think have found sort of their offense uh, once again. And, and I don't think there's anyone that's really going to be able to cover um, our guy Stefan Diggs. So um that that was my my total, but I I realized that there's rain projected, so I wanted to get your guys' take on that. Yeah, I you know I probably shouldn't say this because I think there's a ton of edge, but I I love our printing press members here. There's been a lot of research about passing games and weather. The only thing that affects the passing game is wind, rain, and wind in like like ten to fifteen uh, sort of direction. Like rain does not affect the passing game. If that pushes this the Total down, amazing. Let's pile on more. Wind is the only thing that affects the passing game. There's been a ton of research on this, and it happens every single year. People pile on, and, like, books move. The sharp money, a.k.a. the people who are betting, and just, like, it's a bad narrative. It's not backed up by data. Like, give me all of the rain games. It affects the defense as much as it affects the offense. It's wind that affects the passing game, and in the, like, 15-plus rain. I paid so much of the weather. Granted, if it's a complete monsoon, like we've probably seen like one or two of those games, but like a regular rain does not affect the passing game. George knows how much I love wind. George, you know, you know, I love that whole segment from Judah right there. I'm the big, uh, yeah. So on that note, I'll just real quick. Um, I am seeing low winds in that game, but nothing that's problematic. Now that you brought it up, just because you did mention the Saints earlier in Saints Green Bay, it looks like we're going to get sustained 15 mile an hour with gusts over 25 miles an hour. That is potentially, you know, impacted by some wind. Yeah, that's a really good point. So um, the weather report, um, high of 72, real feel 73, perfect temperature on, on Sunday, September 24th. Um, the uh, expected rain is 0.16 inches. Um, probability of participation is 70%. Now, there are potential wind gusts of up to 20 miles per hour, but the wind is going to be under 10 miles per hour. Um, I believe this game is, uh, what time does this game kick off? This is a 1 PM, uh, kickoff. Yeah. Okay. So around 1 PM, um, let's see here. What are they? 
what are they projecting? I guess 1 p.m. could be where if there is uh, precipitation where most of it is coming. But yeah, it really doesn't sound that scary. Like the afternoon here actually has zero um, inches of rain projected. So I'm, I'm I, seeing I like the wind it. go down. Sorry, I'm, I'm seeing the wind go down over the course of the game as well. There you go. This is it. Oh, yeah, Welcome like to your um, your Sunday weather forecast um, <laughs> for uh, or commanders and, and bills. Okay, my last one, I'll make this quick, um, is we talked about this on Sunday. The New England Patriots playing the New York Jets. This is now uh, two and a half, which I think is interesting. Um, I have overall been impressed with the New England Patriots offense. I think what Bill O'Brien has done there um, is impressive. Uh, somehow they are 0-2. Right. I think we've talked about this with, um, you know, what uh, Timo has done with the noise canceled scores. And, you know, they should have uh, won that game, um, I think, against Philadelphia if it weren't for some, some really kind of crappy luck. Um, their defense is going to give, you know, uh, Zach Wilson just a world of pain. I think they find a way to score in this game. Um, and, you know, I think people are, are reacting to, wow, the Jets uh, defense has been really good. And it was amazing but there's only so much you can do when your quarterback is throwing touchdowns to the other team. Um, and I think that is uh, probably what's likely to happen. Zach Wilson, it's like really, really painful is just by far the worst. Um, so yeah, really, really uh, tough spot for him. Uh, so I like them minus two and a half in New York. Bill Belichick owns that stadium. All right. That's where we're at. Um, before we figure out what our locks of the week are going to be, one last thing that I want to tell people about, and that is Fabric by Gerber Life. If you are uh, a member of the family, you probably want to protect them during this football season um, because you never know what could happen. Tropical storms heading um, all over the place. So um, go get yourself uh, some great term life insurance to make sure your family is protected. You want it to be high quality so if something happens to you, your family is in good shape, um, and you can rest easy. You can watch some games, worry about the weather, all that fun stuff. Uh, and it's not very hard to find a great quote Fabric by Gerber Life makes it really, really easy. It takes 10 minutes. All you've got to do is go to meetfabric.com slash forecast. That's two E's, a T, fabric, F-A-B-R-I-C.com slash forecast. To get started, you go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes. And if it's raining outside, that's very helpful for you as well. Um, so go do that, meetfabric.com slash forecast. Okay, what do we like the most? Um, start with you, Brad. What are the ones that stuck out to you? I'm just going to jump in and be mean because we've been, we've been gotten that request. I don't like the Kittle one because I think the Giants might score zero points. And so then we're just like, we want Hawkinson. We want Hawkinson because the Vikings had to keep throwing to the literal bitter end. I'm just afraid we get Giants Cowboys in Giants 49ers and there's just no reason to throw to George Kittle. So I know that's not what you asked, but I just want to be mean to you uh, out of the gate. Uh, I think that's exactly that's what we need. That's, what we, that's the type of yeah. creative tension that's going to uh, to make our locks better. No, I, I think that's a really good call out. And um, that would be my worry with with that bet as well. Um, although Daniel Dimes was on fire against the Cardinals. Slightly different defense that he's facing. Um, okay, so we'll take the Kittle one off. Judah, where's your head at? Where are the ones you like the most? Yeah, or the ones I, you I, no, the one I like the Washington Buffalo over. Uh, I think that's one of my favorite spots. Like, especially because like, even if we're a little bit wrong on the Sam Howell stuff, like the Bills' offense is going to score, uh, and I think there's only kind of upside 
from the the Washington side. Like if they if they keep pace, then I think there are lots of different types of game scripts in which they hit. Especially if people are are fading this because of the rain. Now I'm really riled up because of that. Uh, I, I like the over. <laughs> um, that's great. Uh, I'm I'm on board with that. I'll say, Brad, can you remind me of the two props you mentioned at the top? Yep. Uh, first one was Purdy over eight and a half rushing yards. And the second was Sam Howell over one and a half touchdowns plus 175. I think we clearly love scoring and Bills Washington in, in many different ways. I think we take the over, but but those were the two. Yeah. So I was trying to remember what the first one is. We haven't done a quarterback rushing prop in far too long. Okay. It is time to bring it back. Um, uh, Brock Purdy's our guy. We need something Just- in that game. A word of caution, a word of caution with betting quarterback props. Say they have a lead in the fourth quarter. The Neils. Uh, I don't know, maybe need them to, to stay at, at one, you know, 80 rushing yards or something, and they and they go under. Mm. There is definitely got to pay attention to, to the Neil equity here. Uh, Not that you have any experience in that regard. No, no, never, never had any experience with that. But hypothetically, no, one should take into account that this rushing yard prop is actually probably – there's some natural like juice to the over already uh, because like the market's going to be pricing in a median. That's not accounting for the like Neil equity. And that's obviously extremely high in this game. No, it ties right into the, the Kittle idea. Like we need him to have 12 yards before the last five minutes of the game. Otherwise it's probably a loser. Like it's yeah. not, it's, we're it's not also, betting eight and a half. We're betting. Right. Right. Yeah. I have the same worry, which is just like, if this game gets out of hand, the Niners are perfectly willing to just like have Purdy drop back 15, 20 times, in which case like he doesn't get enough opportunity to run um, where it's like, you're kind of betting it on the, the first couple of quarters. Uh, unless of course the game script calls for uh the Niners to pass more, in which case we're going to have a beautiful live rushing play, uh, kind of building in exactly this thesis and just like take the four and a half when it's when it's hung in the second the second quarter and the game's actually like surprisingly tied or a three point lead or whatever it is. George, we'll get back to the QB props, but I I, I agree with the logic there. We'll get a QB rushing prop soon. That that is our bread and butter. We'll, we'll get back to it. Yeah, no, that that's fair. Um, I, I actually, you know, I, the one that I forgot to mention here, if. It, what do we think on Bryce Young stuff? Do we know? Uh, so we didn't practice today. I think it's an ankle. I think he'll be fine. Obviously finished the game against the Saints. I genuinely, I you know, I love Bryce Young. I think Andy Dalton is at half point better than Bryce Young as of today. Or whatever value you want to put on it. But, yeah. If you could tell me that Andy Dalton was playing, I would take Carolina plus six right now. Right. I think it's fair. Yeah. Um. So, okay, um, Brad, we'll take uh, we'll take Purdy off. What what uh what else are you feeling? You've you've so far. I, I like Eagles minus four and a half. Oops, sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, okay. Eagles minus four and a half. I don't get it. I, and I know I think last time I said I don't get it was uh, Seattle week one probably. But anyway, hmm. uh, I, I just don't really understand this here. I, I get. Tampa's had a good start. They're 25th in success right on offense. Um, they played maybe the two worst defenses in the NFL. We talked about Baker Mayfield at the top of the show. Eagles are coming off a Thursday, so they can get healthy. Obviously, had a couple injuries there. I like Darius Slay on Mike Evans. Like, there's just, you know, I, I like I like Philadelphia a lot. This is a massive step up in class for the Tampa Buccaneers. Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. I was going to mention that one. Um, do we have any appetite for any teasers? What was the the Raiders and the Saints? So yeah, I like the Saints. Uh, you know, you mentioned the the wind gusts there. Um, 
I feel like obviously that that does uh, you know hurt scoring a little bit. So getting them out to eight. I mean, the Saints just feel like a they are a team that like they're not going to cover by by much. And you feel like if they're losing, we haven't seen them losing yet. But if they are, you know, you've got that Derek Carr. Oh yeah, I'll get us close enough, but not quite over the uh, over the hump there. Um, and I agree with you in terms of the, the Saints defense being a robust unit, um, probably less likely than what the Packers have faced thus far, certainly, to, um, you know, completely fall apart, right? Think about who the Packers have played thus far. Packers have played the Bears. We know what a nightmare they are. And the Falcons, who are a fine defense. Um, but I, I think it makes more and, – and remember, they only scored, you know, was it, 20 points, 21 points in that game. Um, you know, it, it wasn't quite as pretty. So – um, I think that one is compelling. I get on board with the Raiders, certainly uh, out to eight and a half, out to plus eight and a half. I like um, it's you know, they're minus two and a half. Yeah, they're yeah, minus two and a half. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. That makes sense. Were you thinking um, Ravens minus seven and a half? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, I was confused for a while. I was like, I think the Raiders are laying two and a half. Yeah, no, I said I said Raiders instead of Ravens. Oh, okay. okay. You uh, said Raiders, and that's why I said Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I definitely like that that play. Yeah, me too. Okay, let's add that in. Uh, anyone else? We have a three pack thus far. Is that right? Okay. So um, unless I'm hearing anything else, we are going with a Saints out to eight, Ravens down to uh, one and a half minus one and a half teaser. We have the Washington Commanders Buffalo Bills over forty three and a half. We are fading. The rain. Um, and uh, last but not least, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home getting beat by more than four and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles in uh, a return to sanity for Baker Mayfield. Those are the locks of the week. Um, we will announce which one is a super lock. We got to talk about it. We get Arjun involved. Which one do we like the most? Put a little more, uh, a little more on that. Um, and we'll talk about that. Um, you, you'll find it in the Discord. Uh, and you can find that link in the description as well as on our um, on our Twitter accounts. Okay, I, I do want I want to say this for the end. Um, those of you that have been participating in the Set the Lines, Guess the Lines weekly contest, we want to share these out on Sundays uh, going forward. But um, for this week, we're going to be sharing it out on um, uh, on the Wednesday show. So here's what we do. I'll, I'll go ahead and share the leaderboard here. This is from week two. So what we did is we ranked all of the entries uh, in three different dimensions. Uh, how good were you at guessing the uh, market opening line based on the difference in win probability that your line had to the market? So you know there's a difference between crossing three and crossing five, and that's what we want to. That's what this measures here. So how close are you to the actual number? Um, the number that you guessed right on the nose, so the total that you had that were directly on market. And then what we wanted to do is we wanted to kind of um, have a reason for you to be different, right? You don't just want to guess the market exactly unless you really believe it, because if you do, then you have no you know, edge, right? So no angle. So what we did is um, we allocated 10 units to every single entry each week, and then your units are dispersed uh, across all of the differences that you have. So let me show you an example here. This is my scorecard um, from week two. And you can see that I had five, uh, six correct guesses. My, my places where I was different, I allocated units, I risked those units, and then I won some, I, I, I lost some. So 
Uh, my biggest difference was Kansas City, Jacksonville. I had Kansas City as a three and a half point favorite. The market was at two and a half. That crosses three. That's why it was the biggest win probability difference. And I wagered uh, risk 2.2 uh, units. We're assuming minus 110. Uh, so I, I won uh, two. And so that is kind of how we're, we're scoring it here. So you can see uh, what the leaderboard looks like um, here. Uh, this is then averaging the um, three metrics here, win probability on market and the units that you ended up winning for a composite ranking. So F SFAC Craig um, with a really fantastic, uh, he was top 10 in all three, which is really impressive. Uh, Meigs ND almost there, uh, was 11th in, in total on market, but again, really solid across the board. We've got a shout out Arjun, um, who uh, beat all of us, uh, which was impressive. Really good at both um, being on market uh, where he needed to be and where he was different. Uh, he did well uh, additionally, um, winning um, some units. Um, I, I, I crept up there into the top 10, which I'm hanging a banner for. Um, and I think what is cool about the contest, and I'll stop, I'll shut up here in a second. But what I think is cool is that you can't just, you know, win by kind of going and looking up the market lines if you, or, you know, being totally on the market lines. So you see the person, um, Chiefs dot, dot Walter Picks was the most accurate um, in terms of getting on market, but wasn't able to capitalize uh, in terms of, you know, where they were different. And the thing is, if you're on market with everything, but off market on just one, then you're risking, you're kind of putting all of your uh, eggs into one basket. So it sort of behooves you to, you know, uh, not look ahead, I guess, uh, at the look headlines. Um, any comments um, from you guys before we look at week three? I just think it's interesting. I'm um, obviously, my guess is we're not on the market, um, but you know, did, did pretty well in actually winning the bets. I'm guessing my Arizona yeah. plus three came through for me because they, uh, they covered the, let's, plus, let's the, the hypothetical plus three. <laughs> we'll take a look. Yeah, you won more. You were more successful than than I in uh, in actually um, winning anything. Um, here we go. Look at this. This is uh, Excel um, wizardry here. So uh, yeah, your biggest your biggest position actually was on the the Giants um, uh, against the Cardinals, which ended up being um, uh, Stone Cold Lock. <laughs> oh, I guess had we, yeah, yeah, uh, had we known. I think we were all on the other side of Chicago, Tampa Bay, um, and that didn't quite, uh, quite come through for us. But this is how the leaderboard looks. Uh, if you are not participating yet, you absolutely should. Um, we'll be sending out um, your uh, the, the leaderboards um, to you directly to your email and your scorecards, so you can take a look at it. And we're going to try and compile them kind of week over week. I uh, just need to find some time to uh, to do that. Um, Judah, let me see if I can. What happened to you here? Let's let's find. So I was twenty eighth in composite. I was uh... okay. Here it is. Maybe throw the damn ball. So a positive in uh, in in winnings. That's all that really you know. At the end of the day, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I really try and set the line to what I think they should be. So you know. To like guessing what I think the market's going to be is is actually not how I not how I approach it, um, but you know that that should hopefully as as time goes on helping the units won and lost the category. One more takeaway, I think Sean McVay right there. It says he had Rams plus seven and a half. You see that? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that to me. S McVay. Um, 
Oh my God. Well, you know, I think it's a good point, Judah, because that's kind of the uh, give and take of this. And I would say the way that I have come to approach it is I think about where I believe the market will be. And it's one of the inputs. So, you know, I don't go, I don't go into this and go, let me try and guess what the market is at as my end goal. I go, what do I think the market is at? And then do I differ from that? And where would I place it? Where would I make it? You know, because to your point, like the goal is not necessarily just to, you know, um, to, to guess the market, because then what are you going to do? But when you do agree with the market, you, you want to agree with the market and where you do differ, you know, you, you want to differ. So I think it's a it's a really good point. And and I agree. I do think it'll be successful um, uh, over time. So, OK, that is um, that is week two. Uh, let me see here. I have the early look ahead at week three. So. Here are the, um, the accuracy uh, numbers. We obviously don't know um, units won or lost quite yet. Arjun is, uh, is at, in the top spot right now. Now, this did not bode well for last week's most accurate um, setter of lines. Uh, so we'll see if, uh, if that uh, helps or hurts um, here. Now, see, look, uh, here you are, Judah, pretty too accurate. High. Yeah, this is way too high for you. I don't know what's... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's going on. I'm really actually disgusted with myself here um, because I, I kind of like to be like you and I like to be a little more off um, and kind of distribute my, uh, my disagreements uh, across the board. But anyways, here it is. Um, wanted to share this kind of live. You obviously, if you are a part of the contest, um, we'll get this emailed to you. Uh, and if you haven't joined yet, you absolutely uh, should go and get involved. We'll tweet it out on Sundays when the, um, uh, the form opens. Usually we, we tweet it out after the games start. been doing it in the second slate of games. We might try and do it earlier this week to get more people involved. Um, and if you need to, uh, to join, um, to find that, that link, you can go join the Discord uh, so that you can participate. That was our podcast, fellas. Um, appreciate you both. Appreciate you all for listening. We love you. And we will see you on Sunday night live after Steelers Raiders on Sunday night. Peace.